Welcome to Well Said, a podcast produced by the Well Community Church and hosted by Mary Graham and Tori Mayo. Our desire is to equip you with the knowledge and confidence to apply a biblical perspective to current topics while building and strengthening connections around our church. Join us as we explore how our faith intersects with the world around us. Hey, Tori, what's up? What's up? How are you, girl? Great. We're here for another one. Another one and another one. And another one. Mm-hmm. Episode five. That's right. Yes. It's a big day. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to talk about the content of mm. today. This is mm. probably one of my favorite ones that we've thought about so far. So I'm okay. excited. We'll have to watch our time then uh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That is true. That is cool, true. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, we have some more icebreakers. So thank you all for submitting those. Keep them coming. Yay. So before we get into this, <laughs> what was that? I'm so excited. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> He'll get better at him. Also, the game last time was fire. So thanks again, Michael, for yes. submitting that for us. But today's icebreaker comes from Roy from the Southwest CG. And it is, what book, movie, or work of art has made the biggest impact on you? Um, so I've thought about this one because I would answer this way too long if okay. given Thank the time. <laughs> I could do an entire podcast episode on my answer. Whoa, on this, straight up. this is deep um, I have two. The movie is The Matrix. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Okay. I could go way into all of the spirituality of that, way into a, a lot of different things. Okay. But that's the movie that's made the biggest impact. But that's not my answer. My answer is Whoa. the uh, work of art is probably Kendrick Lamar's last two albums. Hmm. And the reason being is that this rapper from the hood like won a Pulitzer Prize for his writing. So like already you're kind of on different levels yeah, in the midst yeah. of this. But I'm always really impacted by people who put excellence forward mm. in their art, even though their art isn't necessarily for the glory of God hmm. Um, or or directly to the glory of God, like it's written for themselves yeah. or even for the world, for themselves. And it's like, if you can work with that much excellence on something that is not spiritual, it convicts me about like my mm. sermons or the way I disciple people so or even my relationship with the Lord. Like the, the creativity in the midst of all of what he was writing, all of the different like, double, triple entendres, all Mm. of the creative expressions, all of the like hidden gems in the midst of, like you listen to it seven times and then you hear something new. It's like, there's all of this stuff in the midst of the album that it's like, gosh, this dude doesn't even know the Lord. And he's not producing this stuff that is so creative, like the Lord. Mm. I who know the Lord and who am doing a much greater work, honestly, in people's souls should be working with that much excellence Mm. as well. And so... Hit, like every time I listen to it, just the creative genius, I'm like, okay, I, I need to like strive my game. more, you know? <laughs> yeah. Paul says uh, the athletes run for a perishable yeah. wreath, but we an imperishable. And so he ex- or disciplines his body and makes it his slave. Mm. And so it's like, gosh, it's just convicting. So that's probably- That's so good. Like the appreciation and the challenge yes. that comes. So it keeps on giving yes. as you like- Study really more, cool. learn more. Yeah. So that's my answer. Cool. Mine is really- Weird and interesting, but this is such a good and difficult question that like I could spend forever trying to figure out and get stuck on like the biggest impact. So I'm going to pick one that had a big impact and that would be, this is going to be really weird. It's a movie and it's White Christmas, Okay, which sounds really odd, but it's a movie that taught me a lot about remembrance Mm. and what it means to take time, to set aside time and space to remember. And it's a movie that every Christmas we watched on Christmas Eve as a family and I watched it with my mother. And so it was Mm. a huge like tradition thing. And so when I think about watching it, I think of like on Christmas Eve and we all got pajamas, brand new pajamas and we would sit in them and we would watch them and we'd all fall asleep when the sisters are singing their sister act. And just, it has family and nostalgia and like all of this wrapped into this beautiful memory of my mother. If y'all don't know, I lost my mother um, when I was 20 in 2009 to breast cancer. And so it's just something that I do every year is I watch it and I take that space to remember. Mm. So it's just something small and seemingly insignificant as a movie and singing that has led me to remember. That's really good. I like that. Yeah. 
I like that. Thanks, Roy. That was good. Yeah, thanks, Roy. I was all hating on the icebreakers. I'd be hating on these mugs. But, It'd be uh, good. You're so excited. You're ready to do a whole podcast from a true. question. On you need to check that is yourself. Fair. That is fair. I, I repent. I repent. So keep them coming, guys. That's, keep them yes. coming. Um, okay. Today, Today, we are talking about spiritual warfare. Hey, hey. Um, you. And we're kind of going in... Uh, some of the deep waters in this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, would love for you to set up like, hey, where are we going in the midst mm-hmm. of this? And uh, why are we talking about this topic? Uh, why not talk about something that maybe feels more relevant for people? Like what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just what are, what are we doing uh, yeah. today? So I think there's, there's several reasons. And I think it could also be definitely questionable because we did an actual sermon not that long ago on spiritual warfare, which will be linked in the show notes. And I highly encourage that you listen to it. Um, But this is a relevant topic for us in such a huge way that I think um, we don't often think about, uh, but it's definitely something we need to understand and to see not only in scripture, but in our lives. And so that's why we want to talk about it today. And um, we've been talking a lot about uh, biblical literacy and knowing the story of the Bible as we looked at EFAP. And it's evident from page one of the Bible to the end, that spiritual warfare is something that is occurring. And we can think this is like sort of odd and strange and and whatnot, but we have a context as Christians for the supernatural. Mm -hmm. We do because if we believe, which we do, that Jesus himself is God who came to earth, who died and was resurrected and will come again, we have a context for the supernatural. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to recognize that that is a part of the story of the Bible is this unseen, the heavenly realm is used often as a phrase in Ephesians specifically that talk about this otherness that is going on around us that we need to pay attention to. Um, And so we want to talk about that today. We want to look at where we see this in scripture. And I want to give a small caveat. We are, you kind of mentioned us diving deep into the waters and going through all of these things. Um, But I want to make a very important distinction that we are talking about spiritual warfare today. We are not talking about demonology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're not sitting and focusing on like who is Satan and who is this demon and what are they specific? We're not focusing on them. Mm-hmm. We are focusing on the warfare aspect yeah, of that's it. Good. And so just to kind of give you all some framework and context, that is the foundation of which we're doing. So. Yeah, totally. One of the things before we even dive in, I was thinking about this morning, Paul in Ephesians 6, uh, he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Mm. Uh, okay, now listen to his language here. First of all, just make a biblical note how many times he uses the word against in Mm -hmm. just this verse. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So five times in just one passage, he uses the word against. So there's clearly a war going on, but he mentions these four different categories Mm. of darkness. Mm -hmm. And Paul just mentions it to this church as if they all just know what this is. Yeah, And I think for most of us, if I were to say, hey, what's the difference between the rulers and the cosmic powers over this present darkness? You'd be like, I don't know. What what, what are we even talking about, right? Yeah, that's a good— What's the difference between the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places versus the authorities that seem to be here? Like— Paul just mm, says this. Yeah. No explanation. He expects the church to know what this is. It's really good. And so I think oftentimes we come so ill-equipped into spiritual warfare because we don't even recognize some of the maybe basic, if I will, yeah. things about this because of how unspiritual we often are as a culture. Mm-hmm. And so just that verse right there is convicting for me because I couldn't tell you the difference between all four of these things. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. It also makes me think about Second Corinthians 2.11, which says, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan for we mm. are not ignorant of his designs. Mm. That means to imply that we already know his designs and his schemes, that it should be evident to us. We should not be confused by these things. And so I think that um, starting off with us today, kind of looking through scripture and talking about where we see these designs of Satan and the things going on and the evidence of spiritual warfare is helpful because you're right. Like we don't, when we read verses like that, we're just like, what Mm -hmm. is happening? But Mm -hmm. it's evident that we have the evidence in scripture 
as yes. to what's going on. Yes. We just need to open our eyes to see what is actually there, right? The Bible is this repetitive story. And we're going to talk about that today about how there's, and we, we even talked about that with EFAP, that there's these themes and these repetitions that repeat to help us see things. Mm-hmm. That's true with spiritual warfare. Straight up. When we look at things, it's like um, we were talking about a, a diamond. It's a diamond and you can look from different angles and different facets, but it's still the same diamond. Mm-hmm. And so essentially that's what we see in scripture is a theme of spiritual warfare. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, do we want to help tease that out a little bit? Yeah, totally. So let's give a quick biblical framework. Mm-hmm. Can I work through the Old Testament? You can work through the New. Yeah. Great. Okay. okay. <laughs> so thinking about spiritual warfare so that we know what we're diving into as we think about this realm. Um, you just said, I-, I love that analogy. The scripture is like a diamond. As you turn it, you see these different facets. And so the story repeats itself over mm-hmm. and over and over again yeah. with slightly different variations. It's mm-hmm. almost like, Oh wait, that's that's different than the last story. Yeah. Because you're looking at the diamond from a different angle. You're seeing a different color, a different cut, a different flaw, reflection, a different beauty, yeah. a different reflection, right? And so you see this over and over and over again throughout uh the Old Testament and the New Testament about even this topic of spiritual warfare. Yeah. And so God creates humanity and he creates everything good. And then somewhere between Genesis chapter 2, the creation of humanity, and Genesis chapter 3, we know throughout the scriptures that there's some sort of fall in Mm -hmm. the cosmic realm. We know that in passages like Isaiah 14 or Ezekiel 28, it kind of gives this allusion to these earthly kings that were fallen. But it seems also prophetic about Mm -hmm. this other being that was also fallen Mm -hmm. that we may be meeting in the garden in Genesis chapter three. Everything's created good, but then in Genesis chapter three, we're probably familiar with the story, a serpent comes and begins to deceive Eve. And very clearly, this is against the will of God. This is an enemy of God. This is something that is spiritual in nature. And I think right away for us, when we think of spiritual warfare, I think that we get tricked because we're Westerners into thinking about like the exorcism of Emily Rose or some sort of like crazy, uh, you know, extra supernatural Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Possession and the like stuff moving in the house and like. Exactly. And that stuff is real. Yeah. We'll talk about that even some. That stuff is real. But that's not the first evidence of spiritual warfare that you see. That's good, Tori. The first evidence of spiritual warfare that you see is something coming in line to you Mm -hmm. and beginning to tell you that, I'm not really sure if you can trust God. Mm. I don't know if you could trust his goodness. I don't know if you could trust his provision. I don't know if you could trust his character. I don't know if you could trust his, right? And so like right away, we see spiritual warfare is not necessarily this like possession, I'm climbing on the walls. It's not necessarily the person that's like crazy in the streets and you're like, oh man, there must be something demonic living inside of them. Mm -hmm. That could be true. But it's like, no, Eve, who had no sin, Mm -hmm. no sin at this moment, was being tempted and ultimately fell to a spiritual being that was lying to her. Mm -hmm. So we would be foolish to think that we who are now fleshly, who are fallen, who do sin, could not hear the same lies of the enemy and also fall ourselves. And so Genesis 2 to 3, there's some fracture in the cosmic realm. Now the serpent is here in Genesis chapter 3, deceiving Eve. Now what you get in Genesis chapter 4 is Cain about to kill his brother Abel. Mm And God comes down and tells Cain, like, hey, evil is at your door. It's like this lion that is lurking, and you must overcome it. But then Cain goes and he murders his brother. And Jesus later would say that Satan is a murderer, and he has been from the beginning, which he also says that Satan is a liar and has been from the beginning as well. And so it's like, okay, was that Satan and the snake? Was it Satan and Cain? Was Cain like a Satan type mm-hmm. or was he a human that was being influenced by evil or was it just flesh? And and the Bible immediately starts to muddy these They'd things together on completely on purpose Yes, where you can't really tell, is this worldly influence? Is this demonic influence mm. or is this fleshly influence? Yes, is they the answer, together, right? They play together is what— They play together. It's yeah. this unholy trinity, mm. if you will, mm. where all of a sudden all of these things are now against you. And so Cain succumbs to this lion lurking that is trying to get him to profane the creation of God. Mm-hmm. He murders his brother. 
Now you go into Genesis chapter six, and all of a sudden there's these Nephilim, and they go and they (laughs) sleep with these women, and they seem like they're spiritual beings. And we didn't even get into that because that's a whole rabbit hole of theology. But the Bible isn't afraid to go, hey, there's these spiritual things. That's good. And whether these are humans or whether these are like literal demons that are somehow impregnating women, Mm -hmm. or whether these are, what's clear is that these women are God's creation. And these spiritual beings, whether it's human or whatever, impact this negatively. They take, just like Eve Mm. saw the fruit and took, or just like Cain took his brother's life. So these Nephilim take, Mm -hmm. and they're trying to assert the authority of God with their own wisdom Mm. instead of using the wisdom of God. And they're perverting the creation of God. And so Genesis 2 to 3, you see some fracture, really pre-Genesis 3 fracture, Genesis 3 fracture, Genesis 4 fracture, Genesis Mm -hmm. 6 fracture. And what you're seeing is that there's this spiritual darkness that's trying to fracture the goodness of God. Now, literally all throughout the rest of the New Testament, you can just do that story over Over and and over and over again. again. It's like, is Pharaoh a snake? Or is he just a human that's a really bad king? Mm -hmm. Or is he being influenced by the world? The Bible's almost like, hey, I don't want you to isolate these things. Mm, like spiritual things are existing in the physical realm. It's really good. So is it physical? Sure. Is it spiritual? Yes, probably. Sometimes is it only one of those? Mm-hmm. Totally. Maybe. Maybe like it's David just and the Goliath, flesh. Another example that we yeah. mentioned in the EFAP that he's armor looked like scales and it's like, okay, then we should be thinking. There's, the, the Bible gives us cues to start wondering and to ask ourselves those questions of like, is this just flesh and physical or is there something else? Exactly. And those that second question is the one we don't often want to ask because we don't necessarily know how to answer, but the Bible yes. would say we do. What if things we are do. way more spiritual than we yes. give them credit for? Yes. So you can read almost any story in the Old Testament And if you're looking for the same pattern of spiritual warfare Mm -hmm. that you see in Genesis chapter 3 and in Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 6, or Genesis chapter 11, all pre-Abraham, right? If you look for the same patterns, you're going to see them. And they're popping up in almost every story Mm -hmm. where this darkness is trying to oppress the people of light. And that's the kind of foundation of spiritual warfare in the Old Testament. Yeah. Okay, give us the new. All right. Okay, New Testament. I feel like we're starting with Jesus, which Mm -hmm. just to like put it out there, his entire life is an assault on spiritual darkness. Yes. Right? And so we see that spiritual warfare is a part of his ministry and a part of his life, even from when he was born. If we think about his birth story, and if we remember they're fleeing to Egypt because of Herod, wanting to murder babies. Have we heard that story before in the Old Testament? Mm. Old Testament giver, mm-hmm. what story is that? Hit? Yeah, totally. Moses, Pharaoh. Yes, yeah. yes. So we see this repetition even of ideas of what spiritual warfare, those schemes of the enemy are not new mm-hmm. to us. And so we see even Jesus being um, Lord. It says the spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tested by Satan himself. The three different questions that Jesus is asked in the wilderness are mirror images of what we see in Genesis two and three of those same questions to Adam and Eve that they failed to answer correctly that Jesus does right. It's also no accident that the story of Jesus being led into the wilderness comes right after his baptism. Mm. If we think back to the Old Testament, when the Israelites leave Egypt, they leave by passing through the waters to the wilderness where they're tested, then into the promised land where they are living and fulfilling the ministry that God calls them to be a blessing to the nations. Mm. Spit that theology, girl. Jesus (laughs) is baptized. Mm -hmm. He goes through the water. He is led into the wilderness to be tempted as Israel was, comes out clean as a whistle, yeah. and then is, starts his ministry of being able to actually live that out of reconciling nations. We see that even not just on a national level, we see him in the midst of this casting out demons. That's mm-hmm. a part of the gospels. We talked about that a little bit in EFAP when we talked about the demoniac, that Jesus goes and he heals demons, takes casts out demons. He also does miraculous healings, mm-hmm. which again, kind of gets into that blurred language that we're talking about. Is that just physical, biological, something that happens? happened to them? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is there a spiritual sense to this? Mm -hmm. Probably yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we see Jesus interacting with all of those level in which 
the spiritual warfare is hitting us, him coming to redeem and to restore. And then I think one of the coolest ones we see in the New Testament all is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. In Acts 2, coming down, filling believers, the same spirit that is within Jesus to raise him from the dead, which is the ultimate overcoming of the powers of darkness that is now living within us. We're now getting to be a part of the fight to mm. step in as we have the spirit ourselves. We see Ephesians 6, the armor of God is discussed that we are now empowered. We are now covered. We have everything we need to stand firm, yeah. to stand against, to overcome. As we talked about Cain, God pleads with him to overcome, to mm -hmm. not let this rule him and he succumbs. We no longer have to with the spirit and the armor that we've been given. And we see ultimately in Revelation, it's where the war ends. We yeah. see that Jesus is now not coming on a donkey this time. He's coming on a war horse and he's coming to ultimately defeat Satan for good, throw mm -hmm. him into the lake of fire to seal it. It's done, it's over. Spiritual warfare is no more. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you started with Jesus's birth. I, I didn't think you'd start there, uh, but in Revelation chapter 12, I believe, maybe mm -hmm. it's chapter 13, uh, it paints the picture of Mary giving birth to Jesus and what you don't see in mm. Matthew or in Luke's account, but you do see in Revelation account is all of a sudden there's this serpent that's pictured as a dragon that's trying to consume the mm. baby. It says the dragon's trying to eat the that's baby right. and he's trying to eat him for almost two years. And then this baby flees to safety into Egypt, <laughs> which is wild. And the amount of yeah, biblical yeah. narrative, the crazy chaos with that is just... It's a whole other episode for a different time. But like the serpent is there, like mm -hmm. the, the dragon. The dragon is there trying to eat the child before this child can go forth. So Revelation paints this as like a, as a cosmic battle mm -hmm. at the birth of this child where it's like the enemy knew what was happening here. He knew the prophecies. He knew yep. what was. So it doesn't start with Jesus's, uh, uh, his, his temptation in mm -hmm. the wilderness. You're right. It starts at his birth. Now think about this. At his birth, Herod is trying to kill him. Mm -hmm. And I think we would say, oh, mm. that is a system of the world that is trying to, he's afraid about his kingship, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. It's his lack of justice. Yeah, totally. That is spiritual warfare. The enemy is using the systems and the powers of this world yes, by good. which to try to snuff out light. Mm -hmm. Then you go to the temptation in the wilderness and we would go, oh, that's like a physical, he was hungry. Yep. He was, uh, yeah, totally. Now he's trying to use this fleshly desire mm -hmm. for worship or for food or whatever. And yep. then you see the demoniac, like you said, okay, that seems really spiritual. Yeah, totally. It is, it's demonic. It's literally possession. So all three of those, the flesh, right? The mm -hmm. world systems, the devil himself are all intermingling in the life of Jesus, trying to overcome this light that was about to come right. and push back darkness in the world. So you, you, all of those exist, right? And so it's like things are way more spiritual than mm -hmm. I think we tend to give them credit for. Yeah. yeah. And we ignore too, like we think, oh, Jesus overcome, but we live in this already, but not yet. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, we know who's winning, the victory has been purchased, it has been done, but we're living in this already, not yet. And so we often, when we're reading scripture and we're looking in the Old Testament, we miss and we skip over things that would draw our attention back to this, like the Ephesians passages with the rulers and authorities, but also 2 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul very openly says that a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. Mm. Like we decide not to study these things and we mm. overlook them and we forget that the warfare is going on. We skip to the victory and we don't often think about the right now. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Okay, so so we're saying all that. So are you saying <laughs> in some of your examples of like, I should watch out so that I don't get possessed, <laughs> right? Like, like, what is the, like, let's begin to, there's the foundation, there's the theology. Yes. How do we begin to make this practical? Yes, yes. I think that's such a great question because yes, we're not talking about, hey, don't be afraid of, you know, yes. So I think what comes to mind often is this idea of, when we look at spiritual warfare across scripture, 
a lot of it is tied to this idea of loyalty to Christ, right? When we're talking about warfare, mm. this idea of spiritual loyalty. And so a story comes to mind, I think, you know, you, just, you can't talk about this without talking about idolatry. Yeah. And so idolatry is obviously worshiping something other. The, the first of the 10 commandments is that you would have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. Real quick here. Why would God make a rule to not have another God before him if there were no other spiritual beings? Wow. Right? Right? The Bible Project has a really great podcast that kind of teases out even that phrase and talks about what the word God, Elohim, actually means in the Bible. And so if you want to know more kind of about that language piece in the show notes, um, the Bible Project episodes will be linked in there so you can listen a little bit more about even the language that the Bible authors use to describe these blurred lines a little bit. And so mm-hmm. there is no other God like Yahweh, but there is other- There are other spiritual, spiritual powers, rulers, great. authorities. Yes. We just read that. In scripture. And yeah. so, and obviously they're not for our good. They're not wanting for our good. And so we have to talk about idolatry when we're spiritual warfare. I think idolatry is such, even today, a huge foothold that we leave for these other spiritual beings to entice us or to um, deceive us, Mm -hmm. right? It Mm -hmm. wasn't Adam and Eve being possessed in the garden and then falling. That's not the way that this happens in the majority that we see in scripture, right? Right. It's laid out for our instruction to be able to see and to understand. It's these small little things tempting. And so I think such an easy way to like map this is thinking about the golden calf. Mm -hmm. This is all a story we know fairly well. And so just a quick recap, the Israelites have been brought out of Egypt from slavery into the wilderness. Um, They are at the foot of Mount Sinai. Moses is going up. He's meeting with God. He's getting instructions to like lay this all out and to do all these wonderful things. And he's taking a sweet time because the Lord is being gracious and giving lots of good things. And so these people immediately are like, hey, so um, yeah, don't know where this guy is. (laughs) So let's make up our own gods. Mm. And they say, make us gods who shall go before us. This is Exodus 32. And so Aaron, who's the priest at the time, tells them to take off their rings of gold, all of these things that they've been given. They fashion it with a graving tool. They make a calf. These are your gods, O Israel, right? It's like, that story seems bonkers. Right. Like, you're kidding me, right? We 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 take our own context and we put it over the story and say, I would never do that. Yeah, say that. Right? I just saw God bring us through literally the ocean with water and things and we're walking around in the wilderness and he provided for us and I would never do that. And yet this story is here for a reason to warn us and Mm -hmm. to guard us. And so they fashioned it. It's so interesting too. So they take these, when they left Israel, God commanded them to plunder the Egyptians. Mm. So they have taken these gifts from God, reminders of his goodness, these blessings essentially, Mm. and they are turned into what? They worship these wow. good wow, gifts wow, that wow, God wow. has given them become something that they were never intended to be. And therefore we have worship of idols, Yeah, which I think that makes this idea something so much more tangible today. What are the good things that God has given and intended to us that we don't use for the right purpose mm-hmm. and that ultimately we are worshiping? It's fascinating too in this story. Later on, it says, Aaron calls out and he says, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar. He made a proclamation, said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And it's all caps. They're trying to, to worship wow. both. Wow, 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 wow. They're trying Syncretism. to have both. You can't have no other gods before me. Obviously, God is super bad. He even says that they have corrupted themselves and turned aside. There's no in between. We can't have both. God mm-hmm. himself says it. And so, yeah, another little bit of spiritual warfare in the story. If we're not even thinking those idols are a part of it, it's the fact that... Um, When we look down in verse 17, it says, when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. Hmm. But he said, it's not, it's the sound of shouting for victory. It's not, or it's not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. Hmm. This 
deception that we think it's no big deal to make something that God has given us that's good into something it's not, we think that's innocent. Mm. We think that it's just meant for our enjoyment. We're going to laugh and we're going to play and we're going to have fun and this is wonderful. And yet it's actually a declaration of war. Wow, wow. We are no longer being spiritual loyal to Yahweh and we have now chosen something else because we cannot have both. Which then when you say something like, oh, like this person's job is an idol. Mm. What we don't do is we don't, because we don't have a physical golden calf because we think we're so mature and Mm -hmm. we think we're so beyond those pagans who would do things like that. We are actually somewhat missing the reality of like, are you sure that you're not worshiping Mm. a demon? Yeah. Like, Like, has your job been a golden calf that a demon has entered in and possessed. Mm-hmm. I know I'm using strange language, yeah. but to where now you continually worship it and you start saying things like, I know I should be with my family more, but I have to, I know that I should, who's influencing yes. this? When you know what's right, good, and true, and yet you can't give it up, are you sure that there's not a demonic power That's good, that has taken hold of this idol that just because you don't have a physical statue, you can't see it. Mm-hmm. But in reality, there are spiritual things happening in the heavenlies that we are interacting with in our flesh. This is idolatry. yeah. And now we all of a sudden see, oh, wait a minute, there's danger in it. This story is for our... These things that God meant for my good, a mm-hmm. job so I can provide, so that I can cultivate the earth, so that I can use my gifts, so that right. I, I now put it above Yahweh himself, mm-hmm. and I'm allowing the spiritual forces of evil to tempt me to think that this is the most important. And so now I can't even do something like serve on a Sunday because I'm working too much. Mm. Hello. Okay. Yeah. Real um, quick, go. though, you yeah. mentioned <laughs> the oddness of like, this. we're not worshiping the statues and these things. When I was reading um, some they talked about, and I didn't know this but when they, obviously the Israelites knew that that golden calf was not a demon. Like, right, totally, totally. Okay, but I read and learned that one of the things that they do is they would cut holes in the nostrils and in the mouth of these idols that they would fashion, knowing that that would then invite some power power Mm -hmm. into this idol that they have created. And so the question for us today, as you're saying, is like these good things that God has given us, like our job, what are we opening up within that that should have remained closed? What are we opening ourselves up to? Gosh, that's so good. Because we're not putting proper boundaries. We're not, we're inviting it in. It's like, why would they do that? They had to believe that it would offer them something, Mm -hmm. right? Why else would you worship something? It, mm-hmm. What could it offer them? Mm-hmm. So what is your job or fill in the blank that is convincing you that it's going to offer money for security? Gosh, don't we worship money these mm-hmm. days? All of these things that you're now tiny slitting open these nostrils to allow something to come in and to influence you and to invite spiritual warfare essentially in to tempt you to choose something other than Yahweh himself. So I think about something even like, so idolatry is like this, it's hard for people to grasp. Yeah. At times, because we don't we don't meditate enough on mm, the spiritual realm. Yeah, it's good. But it's like, this is way more spiritual. Like, what if you are worshiping demons? Yeah. Like, that's serious. That's, think about the claim that I'm saying here. Yeah. You're not neutral. It's what you said earlier. You are bowing down to a, to a demon and you don't even realize it mm-hmm. because he's tricked you and blinded your eyes, just yes. like he did Eve, where she didn't see, she saw a snake Mm-hmm. That was talking. That's kind of strange, right? Didn't she did not see a demon, right? Satan himself, maybe that was influ- like right. like we are worshiping way more than we realize. Yeah. And what if things are more spiritual? So so even pulling it back, like think about something really simple, like lying. Mm. Okay, like um um Satan is called the father of lies, right? right? In fact, in John chapter eight verse uh, forty four, Jesus tells the Pharisees that they are liars and that they are imaging their father, Satan. <laughs> so you go into the seed of the serpent. Yep. It says that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, but that the serpent will also have seeds, yes. children. Now Jesus is telling these religious leaders that they are the children of Satan, meaning that yeah. you and I can turn into a snake-like figure and be working for the kingdom of darkness, thinking we're real religious and real spiritual mm-hmm. like these Pharisees did. 
And all of a sudden, all these lies are happening. And he tells them that they are liars, just like their father, Satan, had been from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Satan was a liar from the beginning, okay? And so let's say that something really simple. You're at your job Mm -hmm. and you uh, know that you only have three weeks vacation um, and you need an extra day just because you stayed up too late the night before and you call off sick rather than calling off vacation. You're not actually sick. You're you're lying, Mm. okay? Or you're lying about taking something or you're... And it seems like, oh, it's just a small lie, like whatever. It's like, what if that's way more spiritual than Mm. you realize? What if there's something in your head that's saying you should lie about this? Mm. And then when you succumb to that voice, is that just your flesh or is that something demonic, something of the devil himself, the the deceiver, Mm. the liar himself, Mm -hmm. that you're now partnering with the kingdom of darkness to not push back darkness, but to invite in darkness yes. into your own to heart. To give it ground. To give it ground. So when we talk about footholds, it's like now, okay, it's a little lie there. And now you give a little lie to your spouse. And mm-hmm. now you give a little lie to your friend. And now you give a little lie, a little lie. And you're turning into a the snake. Liar. You're turning yes. into somebody who is demonic. Yeah. Like Satan was a liar from the beginning. Like the Pharisees were, according to Jesus there, in First John chapter two, I think it's verse four. It talks about how, like, uh, we who have the spirit of light, we cannot lie because there is no lie in God. God is mm-hmm. truth. Mm-hmm. So every time we lie, we are joining in to the forces of darkness. Every time we preach or tell truth, we are joining in to the kingdom of light. Right. There's no in between, like you said. So something as simple as lying, we would tend to say, "Oh, that's just fleshy. Mm. That's just." My, my sin nature. Mm-hmm. Y- yes, it is. Y- yes, it is. Yes. That, that is totally true. But what if it's also demonic in nature? What if it's also a part of spiritual warfare? What if you, when you hear mm-hmm. that voice, are you sure that voice is just your own voice? Or is that not the voice of the tempter saying, don't believe in Yahweh, your provider, God. You need to provide for yourself. So mm-hmm. you got to lie here. You need to cover yourself. So you got to... Like, what if things are more spiritual yeah. than we tend to give them credit for? And so I think about things like that where it's like, um, yeah, like, like this is just a really natural, or even back to our first episode, like, mm-hmm. like, like what if you had conflict with somebody mm. and you really just did not want to go talk to them? Okay. Just, it seems so simple. It seems so natural. It's hard. It's hard. Whatever excuse. This could end up with some weird It could make it drama. worse than it was before. It'll be fine. Give it time. Second Timothy time chapter heals one. all wounds. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven says, God did not give us a spirit hmm. of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So I don't want to go talk to you because there's conflict here because I'm afraid. Yes. Is that my flesh? Totally, maybe. Is that the world system saying, hey, just find some other friend? Totally, maybe. Is that... Spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. God did not give us a spirit yes. of fear, yes. but a power, love, self-control, or a sound mind. And so like, okay, the loving thing would be to go. The loving thing, if I were acting in love, it wouldn't even matter how you responded. You right. could respond with like, I hate you, you got out of my face. And I'm like, wow, that's sad for yeah. you. Yeah. But like I tried and, and I'm operating in the spiritual and the fruit of the spirit, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Instead of the fruit of the flesh or the fruit of spiritual darkness in the heavenly realm. Like, like why use the word spirit there? So all throughout the scripture, what we're seeing is these very simple things like fear. Mm -hmm. Are we sure that that's not more spiritual? Are we sure that's not warfare that's happening that we need to make war against by the power of God that dwells inside of us? Like things are more spiritual than we tend to give them credit for. Yeah, and I think we need to think about this idea of being influenced. Like even, yes, even if it is our flesh, where is that influence on our flesh coming from. Yes. It came from somewhere. We were not designed for that. Like that is not who we will be. That is not who we've been made into as followers of Christ. We talk about putting on the new creation. We're not bound to that anymore, but we can be influenced. So even if we do think, oh, it's just our flesh, our flesh is still being influenced by a world of darkness. Yes. Let's start thinking about it Yes, in those contexts. Yes. Because I love what you said here. Uh, this is an allegiance, a loyalty to Christ mm-hmm. issue. 
that turns it into this weird, mystical, like, ah, uh, what's happening? This is, con- it turns it into just something really plain. Yeah. Am I being loyal to King Jesus or am I making my kingdom of some other realm right mm-hmm. now? Am I allowing some other king to control me, to influence me, to encourage me, to spur me on to, right? Yeah. It's a really simple thing at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think that, um, too, yeah, these these blurred lines can sometimes make us feel overwhelmed, mm. right? Like, is it, do I spend time thinking about is it or is it not? Like, what do we, and essentially, I think what we're saying is like, it doesn't matter. Right, right. Really. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's there, it is, like, it's not been erased, this idea, New Testament, Old Testament. Or maybe, maybe, maybe it matters. Yeah. But you don't have to overthink it. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, there's like darkness, there's spiritual, like it, it matters that you know, but it's not overwhelming. Right. It's not like overpowering. It's not like, oh my God, there's all these like demons. And there's a, he who is in, in you yes. is greater yes. than he who is in the world. First John 4, 4 says. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like it doesn't matter from that end, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, but even still, the Bible tells us that is something that we need to be paying attention to, yeah. right? The Bible isn't giving us these how-to of like, this is how to cast out a demon. And mm. this is what you should be like. It's not like this step-by-step process of like, hey, you know, that over there, this for sure. is It blurs the lines on purpose. So mm-hmm. we need to be okay with that blurriness. And I think, but scripture can help us so much with that, with this idea of helping us to choose loyalty. I think a lot of times we think about following God and following his rules and following his commands as this like need for obedience and because God is holy and good. And yes, that is all right and good. But honestly, when we love our savior, there's this cult and it should be a desire for us to be loyal Mm -hmm. to him. And so I think that the New Testament and the Old Testament even helps us to think about it in those terms of like, we need to choose loyalty to our savior. And so I think just a great passage that's kind of even summed up our whole conversation is 1 Corinthians 10, which is warning against idolatry. In the first maybe five verses, it actually talks about them being in the wilderness Mm. and following Christ. It mentions them being overthrown and overtaken and deceived by the powers of darkness that are going on. It says in verse six, now these things took place as examples for us. Mm. One of the most helpful tools we have when we're talking about spiritual warfare is the word of God itself. It's not additional resources and books, although we're gonna have a ton in the show notes. And we encourage you if you wanna look more to read and to learn more. I know the book we both read, The Unseen Realm has been really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. But the most powerful thing that God has given us, if we say it's sufficient and is enough, is the word of God. And so it tells us that these are examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. It says in verse seven, do not be idolaters. Verse eight, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages would come. Therefore, let no one who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Mm. We are told to be careful. So you're right. It does matter for us. We need to be thinking about these things and be aware because what happens is we don't. And that one small lie turns into... A giant foothold. Over, overcome or mm-hmm. can be overcome. And mm-hmm. then we do become the seed of the serpent, not to like make anyone afraid. We are sealed in Christ, but like we still have, we have free will. We mm-hmm. have a choice to who our loyalty falls to. And so these small things daily, this willingness to see the unseen allows us to take heed of these verses that help us to understand what we're actually dealing with. Mm-hmm. It gives encouragement. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Why does it say flee from idolatry? Right, right. If we're not supposed to be active, that's a very active verb. Like when you think about fleeing something, like, we're taken off in the opposite direction. We are running away. Mm. We are also, it doesn't say stand and fight. Mm-hmm. It says flee, mm-hmm. leave, don't play with, don't mess with, don't give a foothold, don't let something happen. Yeah. 
that's so we need to listen to these things. We mm-hmm. need to take this time to process and ask ourselves, is this flesh? Is this spiritual? How do we involve with this? Do we yeah. see this going around in our world? Um, he even goes on to say a lot of times we don't see the end of this kind of section, but it goes on to talk about um, eating food sacrificed to idols. Mm. We often skip to the part where it's in the section of do all to the glory of God. And it's like, hey, like a food sacrifice to idols, you know, eat eat from the market. It's totally fine. Take it home. As long as your brother, it wouldn't cause him to stumble. Mm-hmm. But we miss the verses above, which he says in 19, what do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord in the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord in the table of demons. Mm. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Mm. We skipped that. That's deep, yo. I know. (laughs) But again, he reads it like you were mentioning the Ephesians verse. Like this isn't some big deal. Like they would know what we're talking about. And then he follows with the like, hey, you know, it's not about the me. It's about participating in the sacrifice is the reason why you shouldn't partake with it. Mm. And so don't be essentially participants with demons, right? We put this in today's context. Pagans sacrificing to demons we, everyone who does not know the Lord could be potentially being influenced. They don't have the power of Christ to Mm -hmm, overcome, mm -hmm, I would say. mm -hmm. And so we can see, have the option to participate in this worship that is going, Yahweh isn't the only thing worshiped. Right, right. Yeah. If we're not worshiping Yahweh, we're worshiping something else Mm -hmm. and we become what we worship. Mm -hmm. So we have to be careful Mm -hmm. that we are not partaking in sacrifice and in worship to demons. Mm -hmm. We cannot take the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. We have to choose the Lord and he is jealous for us. Yeah. And he wins. Yeah. We have to be on guard. We can't miss passages like this. We can't, we can't keep skipping over them as we read through our Bibles. Okay. Let's do a quick, we'll both get a one minute. Okay. So now what? Okay. So this is how I end my sermons to make sure I have application, right? Yep. 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 (laughs) Uh, So, okay. So now what? I think, Recognize things are spiritual. That Mm -hmm. would be my encouragement. More spiritual than maybe you give them credit for. But you have, if you are a believer in Jesus, the same Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. that resurrected Christ from the dead and that allowed him to overcome the spiritual darkness that he was encountering, which will forever be greater than you and I's spiritual darkness. Because all of hell was against Jesus trying to stop the mission of God. You might have some little demons that be trying to mess with you here and there. Like you ain't got all hell itself, right? Mm -hmm. And if Jesus could still overcome simply because he was submitted to the spirit, then you and I can overcome. Ephesians chapter one, verse 13 tells us that uh, we, when we heard the word of truth, which is for our salvation and believed in him, we were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. Ephesians chapter four, verse 30 tells us, don't grieve the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. because he has actually been sealed with within us mm-hmm. until the day of redemption. Mm-hmm. So that means we can walk in the spirit, Galatians mm-hmm. five through the spirit, or we can walk in the flesh, walk in the demonic, walk in the, and like the, it's, in that sense, almost kind of easy. It's like, hey, like, are these the fruits of the spirit or the fruit of the flesh? If it's the fruit of the flesh, you're opening yourself up to the worship of other gods. Yeah. If it's the fruit of the spirit, you are staying loyal to Yahweh and opening yourself up to receive from Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Who can give you more? Yes. Satan, who lies to Eve and says, no, 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 you'll be like God. I can give you more. Who lies to Christ that says, I can give you all the kingdoms. Mm, that's good. Who, who can give you more, Satan or God? Mm-hmm. And every time, you're, every action you do, you're making a decision upon so what good. you believe. And the more you submit yourself to the truth by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can operate in that goodness. I love that you read 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There's a way of escape. Mm-hmm. God came to Cain and said, there's a way of escape. You yes, do not have to succumb to the power of Satan. God came to... The, the the people through Noah. And so there's a way of escape. Mm-hmm. God came to Babel. God came to all these people. And so there's a way of escape. They just chose not to take it. Mm-hmm. God is coming to us as well. And particularly we believers who have the spirit and keeps telling us there's a way of escape. Choose the right path. Mm-hmm. And so really it's walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 tells us. 
that that's kind of my application. It almost sounds oversimplified. It's because the Bible is not trying to confuse us. Right. It's just trying to say, hey, things are spiritual. There's an attack against your soul. There's an assault against mm. your spirit, but you can overcome it because I dwell inside of you. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. I think I'll add for my, okay, so now what? Um, I mean, we need to read the Bible with a spiritual lens. Yeah. We need to start looking at these passages and asking ourselves the question, what else could be going on here? What is the spiritual nature of what's going on? Um, I think that reading the Unseen Realm, that was one of the things that most impacted me about that book was to be able to read passages and be like, huh, oh, wow. Like, hmm, didn't notice that. That's really didn't spiritual. That. Oh, that yeah. word there, that's God's. Oh, that's okay. This might be talking about. And so giving this framework to see what is the unseen because all of what you said is true. Mm. We have to walk in the spirit. The spirit is a spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. If we're not looking at spiritual things, we're missing out even on the power that we have in God to overcome really what is put before us. And so, man, it feels like there's a thousand different things left that we need to talk about still though. So are you suggesting we do a part two? <laughs> yes, I sure am. Because we haven't even talked yeah. about like, okay, but what do we do? Do like uh -huh. we, we talked about the armor of God, like uh -huh. we talked about How getting the spirit that, that yeah. we've like been asked to participate in this that we can overcome, but like we've not talked about even what that really practically looks like. Yeah. So tune in with us next time <laughs> to hear more on this conversation. But also too, like we understand that like we may have mentioned some things that are like still confusing or like mm. maybe maybe you want to know about Nephilim and maybe you want to hear about some of those Old Testament crazy stories. So we're actually also not only going to do an extra episode on spiritual warfare, but we're going to do a Q&A on spiritual warfare. Come on. And so in the show notes, look for a link where you can submit a question for us to answer about spiritual warfare in upcoming episode nine so yeah. That's good. Yeah. Because I think this is an important topic. Yeah. And so ask your questions for real, because I'm like, the more we learn how to overcome this, I think the more that we overcome darkness, mm -hmm. we push back darkness, like we say in our church. And so yeah, ask questions and we would love to like answer those as best as we can. We're, we're not, we're not experts on this by any realm, Gosh, but we'd no. love to help as best as we could. Yeah. So. All right. I feel like for what we covered, that was well said. Hey, that was well said. Yes, it was. <laughs> but we're coming back next week. We're so apparently back. we got Stay more. So well said. Love y'all. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and share. For more information, visit our website at www.thewellaustin.com slash podcast.